Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. Under the radar means hearing about things you didn't know you needed to know until you hear them. It's a serious look. To hear about the issues that don't get the attention they deserve. Under the radar doesn't get caught up in the day-to-day. Surfacing issues that are not talked about in mainstream media. I think it's something that connects us to each other. Under the radar is all about discovery. I can be guaranteed voices I haven't heard before. But also the questions. Under the radar is one step ahead. I'm Callie Crossley. This week on Under the Radar with Callie Crossley, booze-free beverages are having a moment. And no, we're not talking about your grandfather's O'Doul's or sugary sweet mocktails. A wide variety of non-alcoholic craft beers are popping up on liquor store shelves near you, while bar menus are expanding to make space for spirit-free cocktails. Alcohol sales did spike last year as Americans drank more during the pandemic, But millennials are driving a boom in the non-alcoholic beverage business, and industry leaders say these drinks aren't just for the sober or sober curious. But will the general public make a full culture shift to non-alcoholic drinks? Later in the show, whether it was rediscovering comfort food or exploring new cuisines, Americans did a lot of cooking during the last year and a half, and they bought cookbooks. I was home, and I had time to tend to some of the recipes that were a little more labor intensive. I was certainly reading a lot of sourdough books because I did jump on that trend. Under the Radar food contributor Amy Traverso and I sift through a few of our current favorite cookbooks and chew over some great new recipes. But first, joining me remotely to talk about the rise in non-alcoholic beverages, Bill Schufelt, co-founder and CEO of Athletic Brewing Company, a Connecticut-based non-alcoholic brewery. Welcome, Bill. Thank you so much for having me on. My favorite topic. <laughs> Good. Julia Bainbridge, author of Good Drinks, Alcohol-Free Recipes for When You're Not Drinking for Whatever Reason, and a 2021 Food & Wine Game Changer. Hi, Julia. Good evening, Kelly. It's so good to be here with you. And Pauline Idoho, founder and CEO of Mocktail Club, a Black-owned non-alcoholic cocktail company based in Washington, D.C. Thanks for joining us, Pauline. Thank you very much for having me. Well, I'm delighted. Well, Julia, I'm going to start with you because I have a copy of your beautiful book. And it is beautiful with these luscious looking drinks. I think a lot of people would look at them and be surprised to know there's not a drop of alcohol in them. So let's start with your motivation for wanting to put together a book like this, which is called Good Drinks, Alcohol-Free Recipes for When You're Not Drinking for Whatever Reason. Yeah, I guess, you know, you mentioned that people were buying cookbooks and going alcohol free. So I wrote a alcohol free (laughs) beverage cookbook, I guess I'm in a good position. (laughs) Um, But um, yes, I put that book together because serendipitously, right around the time that I removed alcohol from my life, let's say, I don't know, six years ago or so, alcohol-free mixed drinks were starting to be taken more seriously. You know, bartenders here in New York were putting more energy into their creation. And as you mentioned, giving them real estate on beverage menus. So I really wanted to capture that and provide a resource for people at home, whether they just like that kind of tinkering uh, like I do, or they live in an area where there aren't yet many options at restaurants. So 
this is really my area now. Uh, you know, I track and celebrate innovation in the world of alcohol-free beverages. And part of that underlying mission is to normalize not drinking alcohol and to invite people who have perhaps historically felt marginalized into the drinking culture. Okay. Pauline, well, you had a good reason for not drinking when the idea for your business came together. Uh, tell us about it. Yeah, absolutely. I remember I, the concept came about when I was about eight months pregnant. I used to be in clean energy finance and I had just closed a deal and I was celebrating with all my colleagues and I wanted something healthy and sophisticated and I was buying everyone drinks and wine and food and there was nothing for me. There was just seltzer water. And serendipitously, there was a VC guy sitting next to me and he told me, you should do that on your maternity leave. And I started making up the recipes during that period. And I truly appreciated that there were so many people who didn't drink. Over a third of American adults barely drink and a third drink just socially. And I realized there was a large market for people looking for better for you, adult sophisticated options. And that's how I founded Mocto Club. At Mocktail Club, we recreate the complexity, nuance, and boldness of a great cocktail. We just leave out the alcohol. Bill Schufelt, you were a guy who enjoyed his beer with alcohol and then decided to go a whole different way, but but keep the beer part. Uh, tell us about it. Yeah, 100%. Um, so I was a huge craft beer lover, huge foodie who had a serious day job. And really, my lifestyle led me in this direction. Um I loved waking up early, working out, feeling good at work, being intellectually sharp. I had a serious day job in the financial industry and then doing all sorts of social things um, like going to bars, restaurants, weddings, barbecues, everything with friends and family. And as I was trying to live a healthier, more active, monitoring my inputs, getting better sleep, all these things became inconsistent with alcohol. And so I steered away from alcohol, but I still loved all those social and family occasions. And so that led me to look for better non-alcoholic options. And I think concurrently, that's just a huge trend going on in society as people want to have the full experiences of life, but also have better high quality inputs that make them feel good. So let's talk about the balance of a couple of things that you all have mentioned, the desire to be healthier. That's a trend that's just happening with everybody. And then also people just saying, I don't know that I need alcohol to just do what I do to have fun or be in the spaces I'm in. I mean, all of you are doing products that are not like what people may think of when they think of non-alcoholic, like the Old Duels beer or the very sweet mocktails like the Shirley Temples or whatever. That was all that was out there. So let's take a listen to, this is an ad from Seedlip. This is an alcohol-free spirit company, just to get a sense of, you know, how this is going, where, where this trend is leading. Welcome to the Seedlip Social, where drinkers everywhere can enjoy unique concoctions for a variety of reasons. This non-alcoholic spirit is perfect for those circumstances where one cannot indulge in a typical cocktail, or when finding balance is necessary to keep up with your social engagements, or those whose body is their temple, and the temple has particularly high standards. No matter what kind of drinker you find yourself to be, we find you'll fit right in. So that encompasses essentially those two elements that I just mentioned. But the key really is to have a really high quality product. And Pauline, I was struck by your saying how carefully you spend trying to find the flavor profiles that are going to be sophisticated 
but also non-alcoholic. Yes, absolutely. Again, I remember that bar experience where I wanted something surprising that was crafted, that was well thought through. And I'm a big foodie as well. So I really incorporated what I enjoyed about a good cocktail, which was essentially a balance of tart, savory notes. And that's exactly what I wanted to create. And what I've, I, I found very difficult to find is in the non-alcoholic space, you don't find a lot of people playing with a lot of different ingredients. So we use about seven to 10 different ingredients to really create that balance. So now you are a crafter of the mocktails. So, I mean, did you just always have that in you because of the foodie aspect of your life? Yeah, I think my husband and I like to cook and experiment a lot. So this was really an opportunity to do that. One thing that I really enjoyed doing was really taking all the experiences I've had culturally, globally, and infusing them in the drinks. So a lot of my names are from places I've traveled to, like Havana Twist, Bombay Fire, uh, Capri Sour. And what I really enjoyed about creating the drinks was when I was doing the testing, I realized people didn't want a faux drink a faux cocktail, like a faux mojito, they actually enjoyed the surprising cocktails. So every time I played around with sour notes or I played around with chili peppers, people got excited. And that's really how I created these flavor profiles that don't remind you necessarily of anything, but it really created a brand new cocktail. And Julia, that's what you found as you were putting your book together, because you literally went on a road trip to find where are the best non-alcoholic beverages of the caliber that Pauline is talking about. Sure did. <laughs> Got in my 2006 Subaru Impreza and drove across the country a couple times. But yeah, I mean, it's like, what is a cocktail, right? I think that's a good place to start. We think of a cocktail as having a mixture just as Pauline said, of often diverse elements for ingredients, right? We think of a cocktail as requiring care and skill to make. So I would venture to say that, you know, fizzy lemonade isn't really a non-alcoholic cocktail. Syrup and soda water isn't really a non-alcoholic cocktail, right? So those kinds of things didn't fit my criteria for the book, but I was blown away to see all the talent that exists across the country and all the bartenders who are really, really, you know, in a way cooking these drinks. Pauline referenced, what, 10, maybe more ingredients. I think um, that's what it takes to get at the complexity. If you don't have alcohol, which, you know, does, it does provide a lot. It provides, it provides bitterness and structure. There's often a bracing quality that we identify with, you know, feeling adult. And so when you don't have alcohol in the mix, how do you get at that? Maybe you have to source some gentian root and make a tincture or play with spices, peppers, as Pauline mentioned. So a lot of the people who make good non-alcoholic drinks are also great cooks. Bill, are you a great cook? Because uh, it seems that you over at Athletic are doing a similar kind of thing with your beer. You're really taking the time to add a level of sophistication that many people have said hasn't been there with non-alcoholic beers. Oh, thank you so much. I personally am not the sophisticated cook on the team, but our other co-founder, John, is a very highly awarded brewer, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic now. And he really did grow up in food his whole life. His father was a pioneer in early farm-to-table restaurants in the 70s. And John grew up in those kitchens and is an incredible recipe creator and has a super palate. And 
Among the themes that Pauline and Julia just touched on, ingredients are so important. And um, that's something John and I really wanted to dive into when we were starting to make our beer. We knew we were never going to release our product to the market unless it was truly great beer, not just great non-alcoholic beer. And it started with the baseline of ingredients. So all our beers have a backbone of organic Vienna malt, which is far more expensive than the standard malts we could use. But we really thought building up from a really high quality base is super important in what we do. Every element of in the beverage world, wine gets so much credit for being this high-end specialty beverage. But really, every beer, every well-thought-out cocktail is truly like a total food experience. And coming from the side of the world where I had alcohol taken off my menu for a number of years before starting Athletic. It totally ruins a meal to not have a great, thoughtful beverage to pair a meal with. So we truly are going for those really strong beverage pairings in what we do. Yeah, I want you to just pick up on that a little bit. As people pair food with wine, that is the level of detail that you're using with your beers. For sure. So I've definitely had some really memorable meals for the wrong reasons over the past few years where bars and restaurants haven't yet upgraded their non-alcoholic drink menus. For example, I went to an awesome L.A. Italian restaurant a couple of years ago and had an amazing pasta dish, but they only had a diet soda to pair it with as a non-alcoholic drink, and it, it ruins the whole meal. I do think anything from beer, wine, spirits can totally complement and enhance the overall meal, but we're also trying to take that out of just the weekend alcoholic drinks that are sophisticated and give you something to pair with your weeknight meals. For simplicity's sake, like a Taco Tuesday, we could pair with our Mexican lager and really upgrade your weeknight meal experience. So there's so many more throughout the week, throughout the day, meal pairings that we can really make better experiences with high-quality non-alcoholic beverages like we're all talking about. Well, some of your beers have already won big competitions. I know the Upside Don won a silver medal in the 2018 New York International Beer Competition. I'm saying that in case people are like, yeah, sure, he's got to say that about his beer, but is it that good? Well, obviously, <laughs> some other people are, are thinking uh, the same thing as you came away with the awards there. And most of your beers, when you put them out, they sell out like in seconds. So. Thank you. Um, yeah, we have entered our beers both in alcoholic and non-alcoholic competitions and have won a number of awards. Uh, that same Golden Ale won the World Beer Awards U.S. Best Light Lager, alcoholic or not, in 2019 also. We're really trying to get over those educational hurdles of the stigmas that have been around on this category for so long and teach everyone that non-alcoholic offerings can be every bit as sophisticated and awesome and complimentary as their alcoholic counterparts. And I, I think present company included, as we all build this category, information is so much better and at people's fingertips these days. It used to be that beer companies, cigarette companies could put out one marketing message broadly and that stood as fact in the world. Now there's so much information readily available on the internet and phones and everything that people can uh, like truly find out what is good, experience it themselves, learn about it but also dig into the health and nutritional benefits of what they're consuming. And I think optimizing those inputs to get better outputs in their life. 
If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and I'm speaking with Bill Schufelt, CEO of Athletic Brewing Company, Julia Bainbridge, author of Good Drinks, and Pauline Idoho, founder of Mocktail Club. We're talking about the growing alcohol-free industry and the culture shift to booze-free beverages. So all of you are quite artisan in your approach that very crafted. Uh, Julia, you're, you're artisan in your approach of finding those carefully crafted mocktails. But now some of the big guys are trying to muscle in on your territory. So here are two ads from Sam Adams and Budweiser announcing their alcohol-free beer products. Sam Adams, just the haze has all the taste of an IPA, but no alcohol. I'm sorry, what's that now? Your cousin from Boston. It's non-alcoholic, that delicious thing. I don't want to like it. No! Congratulations, I like it. Is that what you want to hear? Introducing Budweiser Zero. Zero percent alcohol, zero grams of sugar. Full Budweiser flavor. A refreshing alcohol-free brew that tastes like the real thing. So I point that out because, particularly Sam Adams, they said, we're never doing a non-alcoholic beverage. So for all of you, it seems as though people are catching up to what you're doing. They recognize the trend. They're trying to figure out how to fit into the marketplace, which is pretty much, Julia, so far been led by people like those of you here who are doing carefully crafted beverages. So what do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens now that Big Beer is putting more money behind this. I think, like, I guess I'm just here to to give a little reality check. Like, you know, I know Bill has some crazy sales stats for you. Keep in mind, Athletic has been a runaway success, but overall market share is still small. Non-alcoholic beer is 0.5% of retail store sales volume for the beer category. And that number has been consistent for the first six months of 2021, including dry January, right? So I'm actually getting into this in, in my newsletter tomorrow with Brian Roth and Kate Bruno from the trade publication, Good Beer Hunting. They track this stuff for a living and, you know, they believe non-alcoholic beer is going to grow by these little fractions, but they don't see it becoming a mainstream product that the majority of Americans consume on a regular basis. And they have a hard time seeing non-alcoholic beer ever getting to 1% of the U.S. beer market. What about uh, non-alcoholic, quote unquote, spirits, mocktails of the kind that uh, Pauline is crafting? There's that big word wellness, you know, uh, searches for non-alcoholic increased 81% from 2018 to 2019 online searches. As we're talking about, you know, big liquor, big beer, big soda are in on the game. I think it was Coca-Cola announced uh, bar none, a line of bottled non-alcoholic cocktails in January, 2019. And later that year, Diageo purchased a majority share uh, of the Spears brand Seedlip that you shared earlier. So it, I, it does th- seem though, like things accelerated when it comes to products in 2020, in the US at least. We're a little bit behind some other countries, but when I filed the manuscript for Good Drink, Seedlip was the only accessible non-alcoholic spirit on the market. And boy, has that changed. You know, I started my newsletter to give myself a place to taste through all these new bottles um, and share my recommendations. And 2020 was definitely a big year for new entrants to the category. An aperitif called Gia was named best new drink of the year in Esquire. We saw Ganista and Three Spirit come to the US. These are products made uh, in Europe. Uh, Philia, another uh, aperitif launched as, you know, Amas Riverine, Optimus Botanicals, Monday Gin, Bon Buzz, Woodnose, you know, Kin and Liars launched some new products. This isn't even the half of it, right? And, and that doesn't include alcohol-free wines, fine kombuchas, and other 
non-alcoholic beverage categories that still fall into this kind of sophisticated leisure drinking. So, um, you know, there's definitely something happening. I just haven't looked at exactly the, you know, percentage of, of market share uh, non-alcoholic spirits are taking up right now. Well, Pauline, we know that millennials are very interested in non-alcoholic beverages or the trend is going that way. And I wonder if that's your audience, your main audience, and who's finding you or looking for you? Yes, I, I do believe that our audiences are basically the millennials who want better for you options, who are focused on health and wellness and drinking less alcohol helps for both of those things. And there's a huge sober curious movement that, that's happened. And it's funny how the alcoholic industry has grown over COVID, but I would say Bill would say the same thing. We've also seen a huge increase in sales over the pandemic as well, which is driven by people who are looking for better for you options. So there's just been a huge spike in that area and we really feel that it's growing. And I would almost make it akin to the plant-based movement, hmm. meaning I think there's some parallels. I think be, before, you know, call it the Odules era, even if there was demand, there were limited choices. But now in the non-alc spirit world, cocktails, beers, there are literally some wines, there's Proseccos, there's so many great options right now. So it's almost like demand and supplier meeting each other where people are looking for better for you things and they're finding them. So I, I think it's a really interesting period. Well, we should mention that a lot of your product are in Whole Foods in the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area. I would wish they were here in Boston, but it seems like a match if your thrust is health and wellness. That's been kind of the, the brand that Whole Foods would like to put to consumers. Yes, it's, it's a great fit for what we're doing in our focus. And again, I, I think when you wake up sober you have better clarity, like Bill had mentioned. You, you actually deal with stress a lot better because alcohol is a depressant. And I think the parallel of plant-based sort of options are what I've noticed is sometimes people, me included, will have a plant-based burger, but then you may still have steak. And that's kind of what I'm seeing in terms of the non-alcoholic sector people are choosing to drink less. Sometimes people are not drinking at all, but people are just becoming more mindful about what they put in your bodies. I'm so glad you mentioned that because the other trend that I've noticed is that in addition to non-alcoholic, there's been a real drive toward low alcohol. So these seltzer, these hard seltzers are really interesting and they've been selling like hotcakes or so it seems from my, I don't know what the data is, but let's take a listen to some ads from White Claw and Vizzy Hard Seltzers. White Claw Hard Seltzer, a wave of refreshment. Crafted using our unique, brew pure process. Made pure. Nothing tastes like White Claw Hard Seltzer. Introducing Vizzy Lemonade, the only lemonade hard seltzer with antioxidant vitamin C. All new Vizzy Lemonade. Step up your seltzer game. So, Julia, there we have it. There's an emphasis on the healthiness part of the product, even though it is a alcohol product. But it's interesting that that's how these seltzers are cast. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's just big alcohol wanting to get in on this trend. I well, think, like, of course. Um, yeah. yeah I, I, so, so one, I should make the caveat that I don't really track low alcohol. I'm interested in, in alcohol free. Um, and I definitely think, you know, Pauline can make the argument that her product is better for you given the way she's approaching, you know, constructing these drinks. But I think the health and wellness thing gets thrown around a little too much. Like, sure, you know, these drinks are healthy in the sense that they don't contain alcohol, but they do contain calories and sugar. Like I did not compile the drinks in my book through the lens of health and wellness. So if you're dieting, you know, I would not recommend the cherry ginger and coconut cream ale from my books. <laughs> yeah. So you had some data with regard to non-alcoholic beers. What's your sense of uh, how the trend will grow of non-alcoholic spirits in the next now post-pandemic? I can tell you what I want for non-alcoholic drinks culture. You know, I kind of hope we'll lean into the idea of these drinks being non-alcoholic. And this is, again, I Pauline, I keep mentioning you, but this is in line with something she said about just, you know, celebrating them for their own virtues. You know, I think mindset is really important when it comes to making non-alcoholic cocktails. And I want people to, you know, stop worrying about whether or not it tastes akin to an alcoholic version of the drink, right? And simply focus on whether it tastes good. I think we almost do these drinks a disservice by comparing them to cocktails, right? Like they don't have alcohol in them. Ethanol behaves in a very particular way. And so they're going to be different and that's okay. And I, what I'm seeing around some of the development of these non-alcoholic spirits, even though they do use the word spirits to make it clear to the consumer how to use them. What I like is the trend of not trying to make a non-alcoholic whiskey or a non-alcoholic gin. There are spirits that are sort of, they're given their own names. They're not trying to be, again, an alcohol-free version of an existing spirit. And I'm a fan of that approach. Okay. Bill, now you are in the space of, you want people to know this is a beer, but it is not, it just is a beer without alcohol. Yeah. And we've been pushing the rock up the hill for a long time. And we're getting to the other side of a lot of these education hurdles. And as we interact with people in the real world, it's so exciting to see people who've heard of us or wanting to try it and like actually excited about non-alcoholic beer for the first time. And I think that's a huge change for a category that's basically been flatlined for 30 years before the last three years. Yeah. With the new innovation, I know we're building off a very small base in the category, but this is the fastest growing category in beer, non-alcoholic craft beer, for the third year in a row now. So it's starting to get to the point where people can't really ignore it anymore. Athletic was the fastest growing brewery in the country last year, and number three by volume. And we are a top 15 brand at Whole Foods nationally, including all alcoholic beer, seltzers, everything. And in a year where beer over the last quarter is down about 5.5%, and all categories are in the red except hard seltzer and non-alcoholic beer, with non-alcoholic beer growing the fastest. Do you think that the having these larger corporations enter into the marketplace serves to spread the info that there are good non-alcoholic beers? Does that does it harm you or does that just put you in a better position? Yeah, we're really excited about them coming in, which is probably the opposite of what most people would expect. We think Heineken has done an incredible job with their Zero Zero launch, which they launched in 2019. And I've been doing an awesome job speaking to the category with a really well-executed product. I think the Bud Zero is a really thoughtful product, and I love seeing Budweiser market it. And it's really helping grow the category. And in the past couple of years with Brooklyn, Sam Adams, BrewDog, uh, Lagunitas, all launching non-alcoholic beers, it's 
it's great that when a consumer goes up to a shelf, they are grabbing something high quality and thoughtful. And we're excited to build the category together because we think these tailwinds at the back of the category that have really just started blowing are going to be blowing for a long time and decades to come. So, Pauline, I'm curious, what do people say who, for the first time, are trying your product and they didn't come to you because they were sober curious? They were just, hmm, this seems interesting, supposed to be tasty. Let's let's see what's going on. But they normally, you know, drink alcohol. What are you hearing? We hear about the uniqueness of the product, and um, that's a great thing. I think what they find is we use shrub as a base, so that has Mm. a bit of the tartness. And again, we use cardamom, chili peppers, ginger to create that additional layer of complexity. So it's, it's, it's always a unique experience and always surprising. So, so it's great. And, and I think being at Whole Foods and a number of other places where people can just discover us has also been great. So sometimes some people aren't necessarily looking for a non-alcoholic drink, but they find Havana twist or something else. So they love the the chili pepper burn and they enjoy it. So we, we've been able to convert people that way. So I'll ask you to predict. Julia doesn't like to predict in this space. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Bill's feeling pretty good, even with the uh, introduction of the Sam Adams and the Budweiser's and the Heineken's getting into his space a little bit. How are you feeling and what's your prediction about where products like yours are going to go in, let's say, the next year now post-pandemic? I'm also very optimistic with Bill. And I think the more entrants there are, the more we start creating non-alcoholic sectors in retail. Hmm. So instead of being by ourselves, like at Whole Foods, there are very few cocktail, non-alcoholic cocktail brands. Um, so the more the more brands there are in the space, the more you're able to find a wall in your normal stores where you can search for all these great options. So I think the, the more entrance, the more complexity, the, the better the quality of the entrance, the better it is for us. Cause it just gives, again, it increases demand because people realize, again, you're not getting your O'Doul's or fizzy lemonade. You're, you're getting something a lot more sophisticated and crafted. All right. So, Julia, I'll let you have the the last positive word. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first, I'll defend myself by saying I'm only I'm only, uh, you know, I'm I'm the journalist here. Right. So I have to be devil's advocate and I'm also very data driven. But um, but, you know, I'm also tough on this category, I think, sometimes because I really want it to succeed as somebody who is personally invested in, you know, drinking this stuff and it being as delicious as it can possibly be. But I think um, there's something that Elva Ramirez, who's who's another drinks writer, and she has her own uh, book of alcohol-free recipes called Zero Proof. And I think she really crystallizes something that's key here. You know, she wrote, whereas temperance era churches and social organizations sought to mandate how entire communities should or should not drink, the impetus behind the neo-moderation movement is coming from individuals themselves. And so I do think that this different kind of motivation might mean that it has more of a chance to become mainstream than it has in the past. But again, we'll, we'll have to see. 
And I would have to say, Pauline, you mentioned the whole plant-based movement, which I think is great. One of the obstacles there has always been, it has to taste good. And so if your product tastes good, and uh, yours and Bill's, by all accounts, do, you know, you're already halfway there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... Um, I'm predicting that this is gonna, this space is gonna open up a lot more be, uh, for all the reasons that you have mentioned, and because you now have at least one, and Julia just mentioned a second excellent book on how to make these wonderful good drinks that have no alcohol in them. So I thank you all for joining me. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bill Schufelt is co-founder and CEO of Athletic Brewing Company, a Connecticut-based non-alcoholic brewery. Julia Bainbridge is the author of Good Drinks, Alcohol-Free Recipes for When You're Not Drinking for Whatever Reason, and a 2021 Food & Wine Game Changer. Pauline Idoho is founder and CEO of Mocktail Club, a Black-owned non-alcoholic cocktail company based in Washington, D.C. Coming up, the pandemic sparked a sourdough bread fad, a return to cooking at home, and sales of cookbooks. Sales spiked by a hunger from home cooks searching for new ways to spice up everyday meals. And sales that also indicate meat-loving Americans have a whole new appetite for vegetables. That's next. This is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley. <laughs> 